0: on this episode of Why Watch That.
1: I'm telling you, we need to get in on this grift. We need to come up with a story that hits more than Heartstopper's points. They mm-hmm. could never criticize it. <laughs> they had high school students in Baltimore taking philosophy, philosophy. classes. Philosophy? Oh. knew it was possible? We should be learning how to spell philosophy, according to Hollywood. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's a PH, not an F. That's what the <laughs> class <we> should be. <laughs> We want to explore, you know, this point in his life after Anakin and before he becomes what we know in the original films, right? A coward, that's what you want to explore? <sighs> Let's open the song, it's like, down in the valley where the girls get naked. I mean, okay. <laughs> well, that's diverse, is <laughs> a diverse this group. i for Pussycat. <laughs> <laughs> pussycat, pussycat, I love you. Remember that song they yes, I do. <laughs> why watch that as a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go
0: head-to-head on a quest to discover the best movies and
1: tv shows hollywood has to offer expect the unexpected from the critic
0: while well, nothing gets past the ref we do all the work so you don't have to welcome, welcome to, to why watch that, that.
1: So, critic, are you gonna buy me a coffee? Maybe.
0: Hey guys, we're back with another episode of Why Watch That. This is Brand. No, this is yeah, this is Brandy the producer. <laughs>
1: uh oh, <laughs> why
0: not? Why
1: not? And are you transitioning um, us already? What, how dare you say that?
0: It's a sneak peek. It's a sneak peek, y'all. Oh.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: you'll soon figure out who the critic is if you haven't already.
1: Um, what's up, critic? <laughs> well, it's on the how website. I mean, you know. how's it been oh it's okay and Mm -hmm. and we do have to remind everyone we're again transitioning to a new why watch that we'll be coming to you when we can the transition will really start producer uh properly sometime soon who knows yeah in a matter of weeks yeah and you'll see what's coming with that yeah, But you know what, producer, before you tell us what we're doing today, yeah. there's a theme I'm feeling. Okay. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we're going to call this the agenda. Oh. Okay. The agenda. Or in French, agenda. Oh,
0: agenda.
1: That's what this is. Mm-hmm. Because seemingly to me, narrative no longer matters. It doesn't matter how good your story is, how propulsive the action is, how well you've written it, as long as you hit the agenda. So as long as you represent certain groups in certain ways, it's good. Who cares about the narrative? So maybe what I'll do is review with that in mind from now on. I'll talk about it narratively, who it will work for as we normally do, and I'll give it an agenda score. Mm. And the agenda score (laughs) will trump anything else. Okay, so what are we doing, producer? All right, so... uh... We
0: see that uh, the critics had his Wheaties this morning. He's revving. uh, I'm
1: tired of it. I'm over it. I'm all for representation, but not number one, not meaning superseding telling a good story. No, because then it turns into, well, we've represented it. Look, this groundbreaking series, but it's boring. And see, this goes into the soft bigotry of low expectations that's what really galls me. Mm. Because you use that as a stand-in for good. No, it is not. Look, do the representation after you have a good story. Okay. But okay, that's where we are. Everybody wants to be represented literally on the screen. I think that's ridiculous too. A part of storytelling is so you see other perspectives. But no, everybody goes, where am I? Oh, I can't identify with that. I mean, if I if that were the attitude when I was a kid, I never would have watched Never Ending Story. Where's a little black kid? I don't see any. I mean, it's ridiculous. Now, if we talk about it industry wide, that's different. Correct. See, that's where it makes sense. We go, okay, let's have diverse stories. Mm-hmm. Not this story must be diverse in every way possible. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous.
0: Yeah. So. We know how critic feels about you know the attempt <laughs> that diversity inclusion all in one versus the collective of all of the the work. Exactly, <laughs> it's like, it's like the industry a theater, industry. It's like a and, okay. Uh-huh. Let's say you yeah. do that.
1: Let's say you get every single little group that somebody could come up with, which you can't.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm fine
1: with that. If your story if is you good, make,
0: right? How do you make a good story yes. with that? <laughs> with that, right? Like, do we have to force it? That—that that is the question. It's mm-hmm. like, what is the priority? Is the priority good stories, making yes. sure that we hear stories from different groups and different perspectives, and just trusting that the collection of the stories from the whole industry will suffice the 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 diversity requirement versus mm. let's just throw Uh-oh, everything. You dangerous, there, you no, I'm,
1: dangerous. I'm just offering up. You and know, it's all thoughts. these people in suits. <laughs> Going, Mm. oh, we got them because we represent it. Mm. We have a groundbreaking breaking story. You can't come for us. You can't say anything. And all these critics are right in lockstep, right with it.
0: But is that good? Is that good TV? Is that good filmmaking? Do we want to watch that? All these people out here. No, but is it really good though, or they just like you mm. say?
1: No, they know it's not good. They know it's not good. (laughs) (laughs) They know it's not. Not that all of it is bad, but it's not good because mm-hmm. the story is not propulsive, mm-hmm. and they don't even talk about the story. They talk about all their agenda points when they promote this stuff. Mm-hmm. Just go look at it. Just go look at them talk about it.
0: We'll we'll we'll, we'll keep going through it. Yeah, guys. So, guys, guys, this is foreshadowing. You know what you're getting this episode. <laughs> so you know, let's let's get in there. <laughs> so the TV agenda is probably what we'll rename this episode. Oh, um, <laughs> I not the why watch that talk. <laughs> We're gonna start off with a TV season finale. Um, Young Sheldon. Young Sheldon is a uh, five seasons in brought to us by um what is this? CBS. Um Young Ooh. Sheldon is an American coming of age sitcom. Um, yeah, about uh I, I believe this is a spin-off from the um from the Big Bang Theory,
1: very uh, good. Oh my goodness! <laughs>
0: yeah. So, critic, what do you to, like? Twenty eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> what What do you think about season five of Young Sheldon?
1: Yeah. So, agenda score for Young Sheldon, it would probably be a five max if we're going out of ten. What's the okay ten? Okay, that's a yeah. Seven. We're going out of ten, so maybe a five. I mean, there's some women in there. And you do have every now and then, like one of his friends is is Asian. Um, he hasn't shown up a lot, so they probably drop a bit in season five, you know. And and there's some people he meets. So, you know, and, and also there's not only him who's smart, there's his counterpart. She's smart too, and it's kind of like his foil. It's probably about a five. You know, they they probably need a little more color in there for them to raise up the agenda rank. But people aren't really going to come for them. Okay. So, they you know, It's right. a five. Little, that, that's little, that a little, little have to that's I
0: think you have to talk about the story. <laughs> so, for, for us people who don't care about the agenda, and actually want to know. You don't matter anymore. <laughs> listen, you don't matter. Listen, this is listen, what
1: they're giving you. Deal with it. No. Okay. So, <gasps> you know that I've been a fan of Young Sheldon. The ref was a fan of Young Sheldon. And in this season, of course... Sheldon's getting older. Now, keep in mind, this is set in the 90s. Sheldon is a prodigy. He's already in college at like the age of 12 or whatever he is. He's turning into a teenager. He has a twin sister. You know, she's a normal teen. He has an older brother who is getting into some trouble in this season. His parents, we know from the previous season, their relationship isn't as strong as we'd want it to be. And if you're a fan of the Big Bang Theory, you know where that ends up. Also, his mima, his mother's mother, is still there wreaking havoc. In this season, she bought a laundromat. At the back was like a little slots operation, which is illegal. <laughs> and his older brother, Georgie, helped her deal with that. You know, her boyfriend was kind of like uh, an ex-boyfriend now, uh, played by Craig T. Nelson, and uh, he employed Georgie, like there's all this stuff going on. So at the end of this season, of course, you know, we see Sheldon and and the professors that mentor him, one of whom likes him, one of whom does not. And the one who liked him did date his b too. So like we have all this stuff going on. But regardless of that, at the end with Georgie, I'm just going to say it, he got a girl pregnant. Mm. Mm. Now, Georgie is like 16, 17. I can't remember which one. And his parents had him at around the same age. So, this is informing us on their relationship, why they got married, and so on. Now, the issue is he got a 29, I think she's 29, a 29 year old woman pregnant. Now, he lied about his age. Mm. So, how is she going to receive all of this? Oh, yeah. And then we see what the aftermath of that is and where everybody lands up at the end of the season, where are they going to go in season six with the entire family? Because people are getting older, things are getting more complicated. And Sheldon, the question is, for his character, how much is he going to continue to develop as they try to do these other storylines? Now, keep in mind that this show is renewed through season seven. So two more seasons guaranteed. My thing is, when I was watching this producer, blackish came to me
0: mm-hmm.
1: when they decided to do a drama i forgot at the end of which season where you know they were on the outs in their marriage
0: mm-hmm.
1: i didn't like it because mm-hmm. i don't come to blackish for drama not full-on straight up like you know gray's anatomy drama no mm-hmm. it's a comedy And I had echoes of that feeling here not that they went as deep into drama in young Sheldon I think they were more responsible but my issue is you have Georgie getting blamed for this he's 17 I don't care what he lied about now let's flip the genders who would they be blaming the 29 year old man or the 17 year old girl which one we know agenda Okay, so we all equal and I agree with that. Well, then let's be equal. But in the final episode, they kind of started to come out of it. I will say that. But I was—I I had my eyes on this, my ears per- perked up and I went, mm, what are we doing? Because I don't come here for this. I do not come here for this. So I will continue to watch Young Sheldon in season six, but with a caution because of that. Mm. Yeah
0: all right okay yeah all right now we're gonna move on to um tv series premieres um and the first one up for grabs is uh angeline or angeline angeline Uh, angeline um brought to us by you don't know angeline how dare
1: you no you know celebrity in la that everybody knows right
0: no idea who who that is but (laughs) now i do Great, thanks.
1: (laughs) It is a uh,
0: brought to us by Peacock. It premiered um, sometime in mid-May this year. Um, It's an American miniseries starring Emmy Rossum. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and and a few people. Charlie Rowe, Martin Freeman, um, Lucas Gag. So yeah, critic. What's the deal?
1: Yeah, so agenda score here. Now this will be interesting. It's probably a six or a seven. Okay. Okay. And the reason is the lead is a woman. Okay. And she's a woman who goes into like this male rock group in like the late 70s, early 80s, something like that. And takes over, Mm -hmm. you know, puts them on the map of LA and so on and kind of rules the roost. So while it is just a white woman, and I believe she's straight, she's a straight cis white woman. So, you don't get a lot of points. But she is in the lead. So, it's a six. Look, y'all wanted to go here. I'm going here with you. Okay? I'm going here with you. Oh my goodness. Okay. So, it's a six or a seven. So, you would watch this over Young Sheldon. It has a higher agenda score. Who would
0: watch this over Young Sheldon? <laughs> you <laughs> what the agenda?
1: I mean, everyone. <laughs> this is what I'm t- we are all under this. Okay? Now, if you think this is ridiculous, then that's the comment on what's happening. That is the comment. I'm making a point. Isn't this right how there. we're supposed to talk nowadays, producer? is this how you don't get canceled? Even though that doesn't exist, I know. Everybody says that doesn't exist now. Because certain people who've been canceled get to come back in certain ways, so it doesn't exist. <laughs> but see, this is also a confirmation bias thing. Because if you canceled and you never come back, you're probably somebody nobody knew about anyway. So there's no evidence of that anyway. Yeah.
0: Let's let's now We got the engines go out the way now. What is this show? What is what is it about? Who should be watching?
1: So Angeline um is like this minor celebrity uh, in LA. Like she had billboards in LA in the in the eighties, and people were like, who is this person? You know, and really, she just wanted to be famous, like a precursor to a uh, Paris Hilton oh. and you know Kim Kardashian and uh, you know whoever else, mm-hmm. Nicole Richie, yeah, all of them. Um, you know, so she's a blonde bombshell. Who is she really? Where did she come from? And she was at this bar, and this band was performing. And, um, you know, she was kind of like, huh, oh, okay. And the band's name is Baby Blue. She starts uh, getting in- involved with, uh, like, the lead guy of the band, but she becomes the singer. And that leads to certain opportunities for them, who gets more opportunities, who doesn't get the opportunities. And then, you know, they do it kind of like a, um, a true Hollywood story. Remember those? Yes. sir yeah it's kind of like that where we <laughs> okay. see her now talking about what happened in the past and other people involved talking about it. And you see what happened back then, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um so with that said, I'm watching this going, okay, like we want to have fun. That's the thing. Uh but the mockumentary kind of thing wasn't enough there for for me to think it was that funny mm-hmm. and it's not serious enough to be dramatic. Mm-hmm. Uh in the first episode I didn't think there was enough revealed to keep watching. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of like, eh, I don't I don't know why I'm supposed to be interested in this Angeline." Mm-hmm. It, it just seemed like in, inside baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're an Angelino, then right. maybe you get it. I don't even know if all of them would get it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, I do think that Emmy Rossum is dedicated here. I do like her work. That's no surprise. I think she does especially well in the scenes where she's talking about what happened. Mm-hmm. Like as the, I guess, current Angeline. Like she, they got the makeup and the hair and the prosthetics and all of that. I think more of that is where the show should be. I wanted mm-hmm. more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a show in there somewhere. Now, I would say she's the reason to watch it. Um, outside of the agenda score of six or seven. So that's up to you. I I didn't need to finish it. Again, maybe if you like E! True Hollywood stuff, maybe. Mm. But some of that stuff to me was funny. Um, This, I just wish they turned the dial up a bit. Mm. Yeah, just a little more.
0: Got it. Okay. All right. So next on the list, um, Irma Irma. Beep? Irma Beck. Irma mm-hmm. Vep. All right. So Irma Vep is brought to us by um, HBO. It's a reimagining of a 1996 film from um, Oliver, Olivia? Olivier? Olivier. Olivier. Mm-hmm. Um, I say I. I say I. Limited series, <laughs> um, <laughs> comedy, drama. Um, and yeah, who's in this? Um, mm-hmm. Alicia Wakanda, Byron Bowers. Um yeah, yeah, critics. So oh, who's who's watch? Oh, I guess to stick with the theme. Give us an agenda score. Um, so you can get that out, and then we're gonna go into what it's about, who should be watching.
1: Yeah, agenda score. This is probably around a eight, seven or eight. Okay. Because you know, I'll get into the story and you'll know why. Probably around a seven or eight, maybe seven. Mm-hmm. Because we do have Adria Arjuna. In here, so you get a little bit, you know, you get a a bit, a little bit of you know, the Latin spice here that they're going to enjoy and other things. So that's why you watch it. It's seven or eight. Look, we're going in, we're going up, we're going up the agenda (laughs) ladder. Will we get a 10 in this episode? Let's see. Let's see. (laughs) Now, a 10 recently, and I'll come back to it, it's probably like Heartstopper, which I reviewed not too long ago, mm-hmm. producer. Mm-hmm. Heartstopper is like a 10. Okay. But the thing is, their narrative isn't that bad. Okay. So, okay. All right. You know, but they like a 10. They like mm-hmm. it. They now, check so many them. boxes. Y'all y'all go loose. <laughs> so, herb of that. Now, I did not watch the 1996 film. Uh, I will not be watching it. Uh, no, thank you and Alicia plays Mira she's this American actress but it's Alicia Vikander who's not American Um, and she's like in this blockbuster film that's being promoted she's in France to do so Uh, the director she's just found out has married her previous assistant played by Adria why is she upset about that she has a new assistant of course who's working through stuff with her what's the point And she's also upset with this director because he hasn't been joining her on the, you know, promotional circuit.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: He's decided this is the final leg of it in France. He's decided to pop up here. Mm -hmm. Now, this film is, you know, it's a blockbuster, but maybe it's getting awards buzz. You know, that whole kind of thing. She's kind of like, "Eh, I'm doing this so I can do the projects that I really want to do. Because there is a project where she's going to play Irma Vep and it films in France, okay? And a film called Les Vampires, so the vampires. Mm -hmm. And it's a remake of like this silent movie. So we see like clips of the silent movie as they're piecing this, uh, it's a show instead of a film they're making of that movie. And the director is kind of like, you know, I just like to go with the flow, welcome aboard, you know, we're gonna see what happens. We're creators here. So Irma Vep is really like this um, muse of this criminal syndicate, I guess. Are they vampires or not? You'll find out if you watch. And so, you know, what's the costume she's going to wear and all this other kind of stuff. And how does she not only contend with the industry as it was and as it is and as it will be, but also how does she contend with her past because this assistant is back. And what did they have? It was more than just an assistant boss relationship. So maybe that explains some of the anger. And that explains why it has an agenda score of a seven or an eight. Also, the director of the blockbuster is a black man. I mean, we're seven or eight. Now. Who's watching this now, critic? Who's watching? It's a seven (laughs) or eight. You keep asking these questions. So this is really like, okay. Let's break this down for a second. It's for people who want to say that was different. Mm -hmm. And there are people like that who want to do that. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Also, it's for people who are interested in a wry European take on Hollywood and on TV and movie making in general. Mm -hmm. That has enough visual interest to compensate for all the talking. I mean, it's a lot of talking. And some people go, oh, isn't this wonderful writing? No, I didn't find it that insightful. Hmm. Uh, I just wish, again, it had more of a narrative drive, less of a desire to make a point in the midst of seeming aimlessness. Hmm. Is it it really aimless or not? I don't know. Now, a lot of what they're doing is going to be lost on many. Again, it's kind of inside baseball commenting on the industry, especially from a European perspective. Hmm. That whole kind of thing. But when it comes to that, like, Get Shorty, that TV show to me, did a much better job. Because it had a narrative in addition to, to me, a stronger comment. Now, to be fair, I've only seen the first episode of this. So who knows um, what's going to happen. Long story short, this is something critics will like. And they do. That's really what it is.
0: Got it. All right. Got it. Next next up on the list is Ms.
1: Marvel. Uh-oh, um, the agenda now- <laughs> score is
0: about to now before you go into your agenda score, let me tell these people a little bit. <laughs> what is it? So, uh, Ms. Marvel is brought to us by uh, Disney+. Plus, and it's an American TV miniseries created by um, Bisha K. Allen. Uh, based off of a Marvel comic featuring the character Mrs. Mabel, who's also. Miss um, Marvel. Uh, Miss Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so, uh, yeah. Miss Marvel. Marvelous <laughs> <Mrs. Maisel laughs> <and Mrs. laughs> <Ms>. Marvel is Mrs. Mabel. I know I'm combining those two, but you guys know. Um, <laughs> so don't come for me, Marvel comic fans. Goodness. I'm doing the best I can. Um, Kamala Khan is her. Is her um i guess alter ego um yeah yeah and yeah so who's in this amon velani mm-hmm. we have uh matt litz litz mm-hmm. yeah um yasmine felcher and um yeah some other folk so critic agenda mm-hmm.
1: score so you can get that out Oh, probably eight or nine. Oh, okay, eight or nine. They, they, they don't gotta... get to heart stoppers ten. Mm-mm. Okay, all right,
0: <laughs> but they get close. <laughs> heart
1: stopper ruined it.
0: Oh, they they make it in hard to it compete because
1: you know Now the reason it's an eight or a nine is Ms. Marvel is played by a Pakistani American. Um, I think she's sixteen. So mm. Pakistani American sixteen year old in the ti- in the title role. Hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, ooh. and you know you get her family, all of that. So, the agenda going. Oh my gosh! But heartstopper was there, so the agenda's kind of like, yeah, we're loving this, but mm. y'all ain't step up enough. But I don't know. Uh, heartstopper just, you know, it stops the agenda's heart. <laughs> now, that's why you watch it, eight or not. And you know, even you know, in in the materials in in, in Disney Plus, if you go there, the groundbreaking series. Not the entertaining series, you know, or the compelling series, the groundbreaking series. I'm telling you, we need to get in on this grift. Because I, you know, we need to come up with a story that hits more than Heartstopper's points. They could never criticize it. <laughs> How yeah. do you make that interesting? It doesn't matter. You keep going to these things.
0: No, I think it's responsible to to bring all of them full circle. Bring them all. Who said all anything about
1: responsibility?
0: We have to do it.
1: All right, so enough of that. So we have uh, Kamala. She's a huge fan of the Avengers. And on the screen, we even see like animated stuff that happened in the Avengers at the end, you know, when Captain Marvel was the one who had to stop Thanos because no one else could, because that makes perfect sense. Um, But the agenda score says it makes sense. See, that's what y'all don't understand. The agenda says it makes sense. Mm It doesn't make sense narratively. It doesn't make sense based on the history of the comics. Who cares? Now, so there's this first ever Avenger con that's about to happen, and she wants to go. Of course, her parents are like, eh. mm-hmm. and her best friend, uh, played by Matt, and of course, Imam plays Kamala. Uh, Bruno is the best friend's name. He's brilliant, you know, all this stuff. Now, he's just a white dude, so I don't know how much that helps the agenda score. But, they, you know, they're great friends, and maybe that helps the agenda score.
0: Because they're friends.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. And he's whip-smart, and, you know... So they devise this way to get her out of the house to go to AvengerCon. You know, she's doing the cosplay. She wants to win that competition. Of course, there are people at high school. You know, how well is she treated? You know the story. You know how this is going to go down. Now there is a family like artifact or heirloom or something that her mom gives her and she wears this as a part of her costume and what happens as a result Well you can imagine the title.
0: Mhm.
1: How does that come to be? Mm-hmm. That's the question. Mm. So one episode has been released of this groundbreaking series. And uh, producer, you'll be interested to know it's set in Jersey City. Oh. Yeah, they even allude to that, you know, Jersey City. Oh, you know, (laughs) because she leaves her bike out. Is it going to be here when we get back? (laughs) Yeah. And here's what I would say. I was watching this and I was going, okay. It's, I guess it would be, I don't even know if it's for teens, even though she's 16. It might be for tweens, Mm. Because it's a little too light in the pants for teens nowadays, especially well, teens at any time, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we were teens, producer kids was out. I mean, so, right, right. Yeah, well, we'll <laughs> uh, okay, like, <laughs> and that before pre-agenda score, that would have had a high agenda score. Oh yeah, but um, so I was watching it, kind of going, it's not enough teeth, you know, and then the thing is uh. If it's for tweens, okay, what would be some other things that would get you to go, maybe I should watch this? Maybe Shazam. But the thing about Shazam is he turns into, like, a, a older guy as Shazam. Like, there's a, a more interesting thing on, on that, so I don't know. Heartstopper, again, just in tone, because Heartstopper, what they did that I think is why a lot of people like it, and I alluded to it in my review— is they they do deal with all of this agenda stuff, but with a sweetness to it. So even when the bullying is there, it's very easy to take. Mm -hmm. You know, they give you the spoonful of sugar to help Mm -hmm. the medicine go down in that show. I think that's a lot of why. And this is why older people also are into Heartstopper. Because of that, it's an interesting amalgamation of Mm -hmm. things. In episode one of Ms. Marvel, they don't quite hit that level. And even like Spider-Man, but Spider-Man is snarkier, a little edgier than this. I just think this is kind of cutesy stuff, and is that appropriate for a Ms. Marvel is the question. Um, but it's the agenda. You know, I mean, so there you go. I, I, it's like any other teen show you could think of. You just put Ms. Marvel in there. All right. All right. I mean, I'm not going to keep watching it. Why Why would I bother? Oh, the agenda. I'm sorry. You want to That's
0: support fine. the agenda. You you right. you set this up now. You got to stick with okay, it. I didn't set
1: this up. <laughs> I'm holding up a mirror and I'm asking a question. What do we really want here? Again, we are not saying don't be diverse. No, we are not. It's what does that mean is the question. And you can't use that to hide behind trash. Okay, what's next? Right. I'm not calling this stuff trash though. I'm just saying. No, trash you're right. You're like, making your commentary. The, yes. Okay, um, like, <laughs> <laughs> the producer and I, we, we had to take we had to take uh, philosophy classes in, in high school. So like that was a good joke for her.
0: Yes, it was.
1: <laughs> 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 okay, so um and who next... knew that they had they had high school students in Baltimore taking philosophy classes. Who knew it was possible? I thought <laughs> we, we should be learning how to spell philosophy according to Hollywood. Not actually taking the class. Oh my goodness. It's a PH, not an F. That's what the class <laughs> should be. You're a fool. Um, <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> These are the stories they're telling. I just, I, look. And we talk about diversity and inclusion. All right. Well,
0: yeah.
1: I don't, you know, I guess we had Insecure. That's the closest we nah. got. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and who did that represent? Anyway, what's next?
0: We want Kenobi.
1: <laughs> Uh-oh, the Agenda score. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> Another
0: one of... uh. Another thing brought to us by Disney plus. um, and just for a little fun fact, the first two episodes um premiered exactly forty five years after the um theatrical premiere. So that was, you know, kind of fun Star timing Wars, yeah. timing wise of Star Wars, right? Absolutely. Um yeah, so you know, guys, this is based off of Star Wars. It's an American television uh, miniseries in the action. Adventure sci-fi <laughs> category. If you don't know, I be mean,
1: like I'm just—I'm making sure I see any Star Wars movies, <laughs> producer, any of them. Oh my gosh! Stop. Oh, I think I've seen one with josh Banks. And we're gonna have to stop this episode after. That's the end of it. <laughs> People's heads have exploded. We are done. <laughs> of all the characters. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yep. Yeah. Who's in so it? You saw one of the worst Star Wars movies. That's
0: what everybody. <laughs> Every time I said that, people go, "You saw one of the worst Star Wars." And I'm just like, "That's the only one I think I've seen." <laughs> oh,
1: okay. All right. So you won't really know who Obi Wan is, <laughs> but this is a, he's played by uh, Ewan McGregor, of course. Like the last movies, Ewan played him there. Alec Guinness originated the role. And uh, this is set before the original trilogy, I should say, after the final trilogy. Okay. Anyway, I don't care about this timeline. Now, look, the agenda score is right. what matters. <laughs> Just making sure we stay on task. Thank you. <laughs> and this one is, probably, it's eight or nine. So we're matching oh, this Marvel. Okay, Disney Plus, look at you guys. Eight. You guys are getting it. is a 10. You, no, no. Now, what's been happening off camera, off TV screens and all of that may push it to a 10. Because of what Lucasfilm and Disney and certain stars and fans have gotten into. This row over a certain character in this uh, played by Moses Ingram. So Moses Ingram plays the third sister. So here's what happens, okay. You have these Inquisitors who are hunting Jedi at this time period. Keep in mind, Obi-Wan is a Jedi. Luke is still a kid and so is Leia. We see what happened to them because Anakin, their father, we know, turns into Darth Vader. Anakin was trained in the Jedi ways by Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan is the one who stopped Anakin, or so he thinks. He burned him to a crisp. But we know that he becomes Vader. So, you know, this is how the dark side takes over and the emperor and all of that other stuff for Vader. We, we see how, you know, he's reconstituted in a certain way and put into that suit because his body is burnt to a crisp. So Obi-Wan thinks that he's done. Anakin's gone. He's kind of mourning this. He's placed Leia in the care of, you know, basically nobility. They're politicians. They have a lot of money. Jimmy Smith is the father and so on so we even have some diversity there and it's wonderful and he puts Luke in the care of his uncle I believe or something like that because Joel Egerton plays uh, Luke's uncle so okay so we know they're not raised together they don't even know they're siblings we know that all of that stuff okay now Obi-Wan of course is on Tatooine because every show they do is on Tatooine I mean they just don't feel like coming up with something new even though where leia is is a different planet so that was nice to see it was nice to see it something something slightly different so obi-wan is there not dealing with the force anymore not helping people just like working a basic kind of like a factory job but it's in the desert you know depressed what happened to anakin is like the worst thing that ever happened to him in his life obviously he can't recover but he finds out that anakin is not dead How does he react? And what is Vader going to do? Because remember, these Inquisitors are here. And there are three Inquisitors. Because remember, Moses plays the third sister. So there's one above her, who's the fifth brother. Something like that. And then there's the Grand Inquisitor, played by Rupert Friend. And early on, we see them hunting Jedi. How can they hunt Jedi? Why are the Jedi hiding? Well, because the Inquis- inquisitors, you know, they have the power of the force too. Mm-hmm. Now, the third sister doesn't really care about hierarchy. She has her own ideas about what's going to happen, and she's obsessed with finding Obi Wan Kenobi. Why? Well, you know why. Their boss is Vader. You find Obi Wan, you know, you can write your ticket. But does that sound like Darth Vader to you? <laughs> <laughs> Also, if you are breaking rank, right, doing your own thing, is Vader going to allow this? Like it's <laughs> stuff. Like when you start watching this, you go, "This doesn't make any sense." Now, the Grand Inquisitor is like third sister. L- <laughs> How many times I got to tell you? You are not. We are not here doing what you want to do. Mm-hmm. But according to Moses and others, you know, the third sister is very powerful. Uh, You know, uh, there have been all kinds of comments about this that have just been crazy. So it's it's just been a lot of mess. And then it turns into, you know, Moses has received and Moses, by the way, uh, was in Queen's Gambit. Moses was in Queen's Gambit, Mm -hmm. you know, okay, playing the friend of Anya Taylor-Joy's character, you know, the black friend. Mm -hmm. So she's the third sister and, you know, she's received these racist messages and all this other stuff. I'm not gonna get into that, but you know how diverse Star Wars has been? Hmm. Anyway, so diversity score, or or, I'm sorry, agenda score is still eight or nine. So, you know, that's it. Now, Hmm. my thing is, if we come back to narrative, Obi-Wan sees people suffering and does nothing. Hmm. How does that honor this character? What's the name of the show again, producer? Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh. Mm-hmm. We want to explore, you know, this point in his life after Anakin and before he becomes what we know in the original films, right? A coward? That's what you want to explore? <laughs> You're so wrapped up in your agenda that you don't even know the property you have. There is a great show in here just waiting to be made. And you could still have your agenda. Nobody cares because it's good when it was good. Now, when you get Ewoks and others, then people start getting upset. Wait,
0: I was just going to ask that question. Was, did the Ewoks come from this from this franchise? And you yes, confirmed? yes,
1: very good producer. <laughs> the Ewoks are from the Star Wars universe. Yes, <laughs> you and you know all the stuff that makes people upset. Ewoks, and Jar Jar Binks. This is, uh, all right. <laughs> How are you honoring this man? It would be much more compelling. If when he sees Vader come out and torture people in front of him, that he confronts the man. That's what people want to see. There's this moment, producer, <laughs> where Vader finally confronts Obi-Wan. He runs away. Only to then stand his ground. For one reason. I don't know, It's just ridiculous. That's weird. If you want to see how to do a younger Vader, watch Rogue One, the end of that. Classic. And then come back and watch this trash. What kind of fighting? And it was just a mess. But mm-hmm. agenda scores eight or nine. There you go. I don't want anybody to be abused. I don't want anybody to be unnecessarily criticized outside of their work. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But we got to be careful about what's going on here. And we have to be more respectful of fandom, honestly. Now, look, fans, they get they get dragged through the mud all the time, sometimes appropriately. A lot of times, not. They have put a lot of time. They've been watching this stuff since they were kids. Mm-hmm. So for some of them, their parents introduced them to this. It does matter to them. And when you take stuff and turn it into a weak narrative that has nothing to do with what they've loved, they're going to have an issue, At least what you can do is respect what you have, which would make a better story. Obi-Wan the Coward. It's terrible. And I love you and McGregor. And then Rupert Friend is like the best part of the show is the Grand Inquisitor. Really like the best part. I was like, there's a show. You'll see what happens to him. He don't fit the agenda. You got to keep it at eight or nine. Mm. Mm-hmm. All
0: right. Okay.
1: Yep. So, um, all right. Where's John Carlo Esposito? I mean, you know, somebody who looks like me in this show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's next?
0: A little shift into our uh, TV season uh, premiere. This <laughs> so
1: is the end <laughs> of why watch that right here. Maybe it's just the beginning. We'll rise from the ashes in our... New version. <laughs> I've burning it down. <laughs> <laughs> you know,
0: it's a it's a perspective that is refreshing. Is
1: it? It is. Um I guess I get away with saying it because I'm a black man, even though that doesn't that doesn't count for much these days, as you know, producer. But I think I kind of can get away with saying <laughs> it. if I were a white man all day, I'd be, you know, tarred and feathered.
0: Season premieres from the back. Back for season two from stars, we have good old P-Valley. Uh-huh. P-Valley, our good old American drama that was created. This is a 10 agenda
1: score. <laughs> 10, look at that. You got there another we go. one. We Heart found timer it. Watch out. Now it's not quite as diverse as hard time, but it doesn't matter. This is like a 10. Uh,
0: all right. Good old P-Valley um, <laughs> brought to us by Katora Hall. Um... In the cast we have uh, Brandy Evans, Nico Anna, um Shannon Thornton, Parker Sawyer, and a bunch of other folks. Yeah, America
1: um, Johnson. Yeah. Uh,
0: um what what do we think about season 2? We just found out the, the gender score is a 10, so we got, you know, a hard stop watch out. E valleys coming for your heels. Um
1: yes. coming for your spot. But, you know, there are different shades to these scores. You know, you can get a 10 in different ways.
0: Got it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Got it.
1: Yeah, this certainly ain't the wholesome 10. Well, well, (laughs) we know. (laughs) We know. I mean, like the opening song is like, down in the valley where the girls get naked. I mean, okay. (laughs) Well, that's diverse. This I is a diverse this is group. I'm the key for Pussycat. <laughs> pussycat, Pussycat, I love you. Remember that song? Yes, I do. <laughs> What's new, Pussycat? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Anyway. All right. So what is season two looking Doesn't like? It, matter? it, it has a 10 agenda score. should be watching? But the people who care. <laughs> So um, after the first season, now, remember, this is set in uh, Mississippi. Uh, We're at a strip club. It is run by Uncle Clifford um, that raises this agenda score. And Uncle Clifford, you know, has this strip club running. You know, all the dancers are there. They all have their own ways to try to get agency. There's a main uh, dancer, Mercedes, who kind of shows people the ropes, but, you know, is kind of not feeling any of them. This is her club, essentially. Mm -hmm. She's the reason, you know, she brings all the boys to the yard. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, is she toppled? Because there's this interloping woman who comes in in season one. Can't really dance, but she's light-skinned. Oh, oh! Did I say that? Oh, oh! So you know what kind of attention she gets. Oh, and that uh, character is Haley. So Haley has a backstory. She's running away from something, and she should be running, but because of that. At the end of season one, she was able to take over the club. How? In what situation? From Uncle Clifford? Not even Mercedes? Because Mercedes was saving her coins, as they say, in order to do something on her own. But that was thwarted by her God-loving mama. And her God-loving mama now has her own church. Uh, And this is during the time of COVID. So, you know, how are they handling all of that? you know, the, the church, they, they hand out recordings to people in their cars as she's <laughs> praising the Lord outside. Ooh. Okay. That woman ain't no good. She has a billboard of herself, too, that uh at early on in the first episode, one of the patrons of this club sees and, you know, is he called to God or is he called to the car wash that now is the Pink, which is that strip club. Mm. You know where he goes. Mm-hmm. But really, you might be going to God by going away from that woman. The pink is closer to the Lord than that woman's church. (laughs) So what does the pink become? What kind of car wash is this? What does it look like? And how is it going to be run now by Haley, who really owns it? And she's given a portion of the club, like 15% of it, to Uncle Clifford. How is Uncle Clifford receiving that? And what is Mercedes doing? Right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of what happened in this show that led them to this point is there is like this uh, business enterprise that's happening. If you have watched the show, you know what that is. It's political that, you know, Isaiah Washington's character, the mayor is involved. So there's all kinds of money coming into this and it's, some white money. Now, you got to be careful with that. So this, so the pink is kind of in the middle of all of this, which is why it needed to be saved. So are they really safe? And what's the face of this, uh, you know, hidden power, this hidden political power now? Is it still Isaiah Washington or is someone else popping up? Now, keep in mind, there was another dancer as well who at the end of season one made an interesting decision Because she was in a physically abusive relationship with her husband. They have kids. And there was the bouncer of the club who was trying to protect her. How and why? And what decision did she make in season one that leads to her position in season two? Now, keep in mind that she was also or she did attach herself to the local rapper in the club who's like on the come up. So they are helping each other go up, because he has a reason to be careful. Who is he interested in Hmm. that he might not want to get out? Uh oh So you start to see where all of this is about to go at the opening of Season 2. Now, with all that said about P-Valley with the 10 agenda score, the COVID stuff they did, I didn't mind it, actually the way they use that. Um, I, I think they use it in a way that was creative enough to be, for it to be fine. I mean, we are in the aftermath of murder night with COVID and all this other stuff, so okay. But what I would say about P-Valley is it works best when it's pure ridiculousness. That's when it works best. Kind of like what Pose... When Pose was really ridiculous, that's when it works. When they start trying to be serious, it's kind of like, hold on, what... Wh- 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 We gotta signal the alarm here. No, 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 no. (laughs) Because then we start paying attention to what you wrote. Like, don't (laughs) let's not do that. So it's an entertaining mess in those kinds of moments. Mm -hmm. Like, like the the guy who's driving and finally finds his way to the Pink's car wash, right? And and you have um, you have Haley out there. You know her stage name is Autumn. Autumn night or whatever. So you have her out there, but she's kind of running it. And the guy in the car is like, Am I gonna see you dancing? <laughs> like their business partner partner now, new bouncer, is kinda of like, You wanna see her dance. Then <laughs> the look she gave it was so funny. It was so like stuff like that we want. And like you'd have to watch it to see what was so I just started laughing. It was hilarious. You don't wanna see her dance. <laughs> Not because she don't look good, cause she can't right. dance like that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, you know when it slows down and gets serious it's hit or miss also this is on stars you gotta think about stars as a black entity when we come to these kinds of shows which I don't mind it's fine but I put it third producer behind Power Book 3 Raising Canaan and MBMF. I put P-Valley third behind mm-hmm. those two it's like a southern version of those shows mm-hmm. with a strip club at the center and an agenda score
0: oh, of what funny. again
1: producer a one zero. Uh oh. Yeah, right. I don't know if I'm gonna keep watching this though. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll have <to> find out. <laughs> well, all
0: right. Sounds interesting. Season two. Yep. Um, all right. Now, next on our TV season premieres, we have the Netflix smash hit Stranger Things. Um, back for season four. Now, part one of season four premiered on um, Friday, May the 27th, and the second half of that's going to premiere on um, July the 1st. Now, if you don't know what Stranger Things is, Stranger Things is an American sci-fi horror drama that was created by the Duffer Brothers, and like I said before, um, very popular on Netflix. It is. It is. Yeah, people love it. <laughs> that Walmart even has a pizza day, pizza for this well, season. Uh, well,
1: yeah. They do have merchandising, which got them into hot water, Netflix with the Duffer Brothers. Mm. Because there was a board game or something like that that released and gave away some of the plot points of this season and hints of what's to come. Mm. Uh, because they'll have one more season after season four that wraps it up. So they were not happy. mm Okay, they were like, do you know what our agenda score is? How dare you? <laughs> hey, Critic, uh, let us know what
0: that agenda score is.
1: Now, before I get to that, okay, <laughs> uh, just to be clear, part one of season four has seven episodes. Part two of season four will only have two episodes. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Now, if you watch, you'll kind of understand why they went to seven episodes and paused it. Um, agenda score for Stranger Things they probably flirting with a nine. Yes, that's why the Duffer brothers are like, how dare you give away our plot why? We got a nine. Mm. Now, with that said, Stranger Things started before the Agenda Score era, so, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just like Star Wars did, but, you know, Star Wars isn't diverse until today. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Anyway... So let me, let me start at season one and review it this way. Producer, when Stranger Things premiered on Netflix, I benched it that first weekend. Most people didn't even know it existed. And I reviewed it and I was, and I was like, oh my goodness, this is great. you got to watch it. You're going to love it. The ref was kind of like, okay, really? Well, I'll check it out. And the ref was like, oh my goodness, you were right. Wasn't I? So I was an early adopter. Of this show. A fan. I enjoyed season one tremendously. enjoyed season two tremendously. Season three, I started going, you know, I still like it, but wait a minute. I don't know. And now we're at season four. Now, in season four, our uh, band of friends fighting against the Upside Down and the Demogorgon and everything else, they are split. Because... Eleven, and Will, and Will's brother and mother, played by one Winona Ryder, they've left Hawkins to go to California. I mean, they should have left a long time ago. <laughs> I don't know why anybody is still at Hawkins, especially any of these characters who just fought the upside-down Demogorgon and, you know, closed the portal. Mm. I wouldn't want to stay anywhere <laughs> near Hawkins. Mm. So they've gotten out. Elle is now living with them. You know, she has a different name because you don't want government agencies to find her. Remember, Elle was in a program of special kids who were tortured into getting powers and so on. And, you know, watch out. Now, everyone else is still in Hawkins. So, okay, including, you know, Elle's boyfriend. You know, they have a long distance relationship. Is she telling him the truth about her experience in California? You got, you know, the the Black kid, you know, he's now on the basketball team. So what's that going to be? It's like a can't-buy-me-love situation where, you know, he's about to be popular, but what does he do with his geek friends? You got everybody else, and you have new characters. Because, of course, we're not done with the upside-down. Of course, there's a new monster. Who is this monster? Vecna is its name. And Vecna has the ability to connect with people psychically. Vecna can go through your whole memory, show it to you, all the bad parts, as he pulls you psychically into the upside down and then kills you. But you are now a part of him. All your memories, all of that is in Vecna. Now, Vecna has an army of spiders and bats. Now, the bats are the upside down. The spiders are in the real world. And it's all coming from this house. Because when you see Vecna, the first thing he shows you is portions of this house. And then the things in your life that you are most mortified by. And this, he like grooms you. He'll come to you the first time. You like, you like it's almost like you get hit in the head. Your nose starts bleeding. You're like, what happened? And over time, he comes to you more and more showing you all of your failings. Mm-hmm. So, of course, this happens to uh, a popular teen girl at the school. And her boyfriend is the captain of the basketball team. And she was killed in the trailer of a new character, a guy who has the D&D fan group, which includes all of our, you know, familiar characters. So since that happened at his trailer, he's blamed. So what do you think the captain of the basketball team wants to do? So they have to deal with humans who don't know what's really happening. They also have to deal with how in the world is the upside down still going? We closed the portal. Well, Elle closed the portal. Now, in California, Elle no longer has her powers. So, of course, she's being bullied because if you're a teen in high school in a show or a movie, you get bullied. I'm sorry, producer. That's what happens. (laughs) So... You can't see the producer, everybody. Producer is reacting. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, there's there's this girl at the school that she's going to now who's bullying her and she can't do anything about it. And, you know, the girl has friends of all sorts who throw things at Elle. And so what does Elle eventually do? You know, what would anyone do in this situation, whether they have powers or not? And, um, you know, the cops are involved as a result and all that stuff. I don't have time for bullies. I just don't have time for it. Is this toxic femininity, by the way? Is this it? Producer, what do you think? Is this toxic femininity? In bullying? That's what they call toxic masculinity. I'm trying to find it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) I'm not on the committee. I can't weigh in on that one.
1: (laughs) I mean, she brings in toxic males to do some of her bastardly activities. Mm. Hmm. So we know what's going to eventually happen. You know that Elle's gonna get her powers back, but how? Now she's about to be locked up because of what she does. But of course, this is intercepting. And because of this, we see, how Elle came to be who she is? What was really going on in this program? And what we know up to now, is it really the truth? And how does all of this connect to Vecna? So, of course, one of our trusty band is going to be targeted by Vecna. They got to figure this out. They've got to go into the upside down. How? Who goes? Do they get trapped? Is there a way out? And who is Vecna? What is really going on? Okay, now we have an agenda score of nine, so you should watch it. And
0: okay. if you need more than the agenda, can we give we a little more?
1: You keep saying this. There is no such thing. A little more insight. Now, if you need more of the agenda, I told you, you know, you could do a P Valley. That's a little higher than Stranger Things, but you'd have to be the right age. But I don't know, maybe nowadays it doesn't matter what age. Maybe kids can watch anything. I have no idea. I don't know what world I'm living in. Now, what I would say here, it's a lot going on narratively, but I don't, it was hard for me watching these seven episodes, producer, to know what I was supposed to care about. I used to care starting last season and now moving into this. is I'm kind of watching this at a distance. I'm entertained by it. And I'm like, okay, it's entertaining. I don't really care though. You kill mm-hmm. them all. Okay. So, you know, with that said, the question's gonna be what is the unifying force? I don't know. I can't really tell you. Um, also, I think separating the story that kind of got in the way, you know, California versus Hawkins. Okay. Like the whole thing with Elle's backstory do we really care? I don't know for me. Am I connected to it as much? I can't say, Uh, but it's enjoyably diverting enough. We still have the eighties era stuff going on. You know, it goes from Stephen King. If you think of it, stuff like that to Steven Spielberg, Poltergeist and the Goonies, Uh, Robert England pops up in a way you'll see how that happens. So we still have those kinds of things. Um, also, of course, Dungeons and Dragons is quite literally the driving force of this show. Mm. It just doesn't have me by the throat anymore, Mm. but it it, does it work for the most part. Yeah. I I would say it still works. So there we go. Stranger Things.
0: Yeah. So yeah, if you, if you watched it like from season one and you like want to keep going, like, you know, just kind of keep watching. It it sounds like it's a good, like, even if you just want to pick it up, it seems like at least season one and two are pretty solid.
1: So, season one and two are excellent. It's not that three and four, it's not they're bad. They're just not as good. They're good. Like, they're mm-hmm. good. But it's not. One I'm just two. not. I'm not like, oh, we got to go. You know, let's get it. It's, yeah. I don't have that feeling anymore.
0: Got it. Cool. Yeah. All right. So, we got two sneak peeks coming up. Oh, why watch that sneak peek? First, that we're going to explore is from Apple TV Plus. Um, this is the season three premiere of For All Mankind, which is coming back on June the tenth, Friday, June the tenth. Right? It's an American science fiction drama um, that was created and written by Ronald D. Moore um, and a other and the collective of other people. Mm-hmm. Starring um Michael Dorman, Sarah Jones, um Jodie Bolfer, uh Sonia Wagner, and a bunch of other folks.
1: So Yeah, Joel okay. Kinneman, you know. Oh, yes. Cause some of those people ain't in the show no more.
0: Oh, okay. They did. Uh, no, in right.
1: the show. In the show.
0: Right. Well, right. <laughs> right. We assume you were our friends in this show. Okay, so before you get started,
1: mm-hmm.
0: give us an agenda score for this
1: one. Ten. Oh! All right, Apple TV Plus. Y'all, that's it. it. Watch it. It's a 10. All right. Done. (laughs) Now, remember, this is an alternate history sci fi show. So it's about the space race. You know, the Soviets got to the moon first. You know, that whole kind of thing happened in this show starting in the late 60s. Mm -hmm. So now, in what season is it again? It's season Season uh, three. Three. We're in the 90s. Oh. Mm -hmm. And at this point in the show, they're trying to put people on Mars. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Okay. Now, uh, as of our recording, Apple has released eight episodes. So I think there are two more, like, we were saying ten total. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I've seen all eight. And so again, they're trying to get to Mars. So there's a race to launch the first manned mission to Mars by 1996. Okay. Now, keep in mind the main events of this season start in 1992. Hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, what we see is there's space tourism now. Producer. Okay. Yes, there's the Hotel Polaris. It orbits Earth. Who's involved in that? Mm. Hmm. Well, that would be Karen. Well, she used to be Karen Baldwin. Baldwin. She used to be married to Ed, played by Joel. And this is Chantel Van Santen's character. But she got a new hubby who has money. At the end of season two, she came to him with a proposition. This was it. Okay. And there's a special event that's going to occur on this hotel the first time they actually have visitors all of that who's going to show up well you know you know ed's going to be there you know um that danielle's going to be there played by chris marshall you know they're astronauts they've done it they're coming for a particular event very special and can you imagine what's going to happen on this hotel now there is a tragedy here and it links everybody together and it also shuttles things forward now At this point, a lot of our characters are older and grayer. You see all of that. Um, And we know that when it came to some other people, they're dead. I'm not going to say who, just in case you didn't finish season two. They died in the service of their country and all mankind. But how has that affected their children who are now grown? Now, speaking of children, we do have Danny Stevens. His parents were Gordo and Tracy. And his brother. And Danny has gone in his parents' footsteps. He's now an astronaut. And remember, uh, Gordo was Ed's best friend. So, you know, Ed has had his eyes on Danny. Uh, So has uh, Danielle. So... Danny is now in space but we know what Danny was up to in season two. Mm-hmm. Watch out. It had nothing to do with being an astronaut. Hmm. And how does that play into this season? Because he has the opportunity of course to continue doing this work with NASA but something he does might take him out of the running to go to Mars. What is it? Is it something serious or is it overblown and his brother he's in a lot of trouble I'll just put it that way mentally he thinks that conspiracies are on the prowl is he correct and he hooks up with a certain group of people what will they influence him to do or not do because he will be connected to Danny's wife you'll see who that is how Do they get along or not? Mm -hmm. Also, who is going to be the commander of this mission to Mars? Well, Ed and Danielle are the two in the running. I mean, they're the oldest dirt, but they're the two. And, you know, they have this friendly banter about who's going to actually get the job. Now, there's a disagreement between the person who's in charge of assigning astronauts to missions. And that's Sonia Walker's character, Molly. Now, keep in mind, Molly was trained by Ed as an astronaut. She has an affinity, but she trained with Danielle. So, where does her loyalty lie? And whatever she thinks is at odds with Margot Madison, played by Ren Schmidt. Margot is the head of NASA now. Who's going to win out? Because the person who's in charge of assigning. The astronauts, it, it's their choice. It's not anybody's choice, anybody else. It doesn't matter if you're the head of NASA or does it. Now, keep in mind that Margot is connected to two other strands of this narrative. One is um, a young Latina. We saw her as a kid in this show, saw her with her father. She's now grown. She has been helped by Margot. She's whip smart with the science. She's worked at NASA. She's worked her way up the latter at NASA, and that's Aleda. And Aleda is an adultist play by Coral Pena. So Aleda is this great engineer, you know, has come up with uh, wonderful things for NASA that has pushed forward their space expo- exploration um, ambitions. But keep in mind that Margo is also connected to the Soviets Now, there is this push and pull between NASA and the cosmonauts and they did this mission together. We saw that happened in season two. You can watch that to figure out how and why that would occur. But Margo was connected to a particular Soviet over there. And the two of them, there's like romance in the air. What happens as a result of that? Is it true romance? Is it Is someone trying to, you know, one-up the other? Are they trying to steal secrets? Who's doing the stealing? Who's not? You'll see what happens as a result of that and how all of this works. Now, you know they get to Mars. Who's the they? And how many they's are there? Because once you say, I'm going to Mars, who else is going to Mars? Mm Mm-hmm just like, you know, with the race to the South Pole. Mm -hmm. You know, the Scott versus Robinson thing. The producer's shaking her head like she knows what that is. So, there we go. Yeah. Look up Scott versus Robinson. (laughs) So, okay. Now, there is a new character played by Eddie Kategi. Dev. He's like an Elon Musk kind of person. And how is he going to play a role in this? So you're going to throw a monkey wrench in the plans of NASA and the cosmonauts? You'll find out. And when they get to Mars, whoever the they is, what are they going to encounter? Is Mars going to be the problem? Or are the humans on Mars going to be the problem? Because remember, it doesn't matter where you go. If you're going with humans, you're going with Humans. Now, with that, you know that there are all kinds of tragedies that are going to occur, kinds of, you know, emergencies, you know, it's going well, and then all of a sudden it's not. But this has an agenda score of 10. You got all kinds of people represented in this show. Because one of the astronauts I didn't get to is a politician. So we have this politician astronaut. This is uh, Jodie Balfour's character, Ellen Wilson. and We know what was going on with her and her husband end quotes now their decision their mutual decision to get married in order to further their goals career-wise and otherwise maybe there's going to be a price to pay in the season what will that price be and what kind of politician is she i'm not going to say all right so here's the thing it still looks great for the most part Um, there is an issue though, when you do a lot of CGI, it starts being noticeable. It's always good to kind of ground the CGI in something real and layer it on top. So, you know, but for the most part, it still looks good. I do like how they use real and stock footage to bring us up to date. That works. The way they tweak history that way still works. The pacing and the editing still pretty much work as well. But the agenda it can stand out not in a good way always. Mm-hmm. I think that the, the first episode was so heavy on the agenda, it was laughable. Laughable. It. Mm-hmm. Like, I, and see, this is the issue. Let the narrative drive it. We are not stupid. See, this is the main point here. We are not dumb. We have eyes and ears. Hello. I mean, you don't have to say, oh, look at me, look at me. And you don't have to do things that make no sense. Honor the character start there now after that it wasn't quite as bad as the first episode of this season Um, but you know the question is are we going to drive this narrative forward or are we going to make agenda points see this is the issue they can't do both because they can't write that well that's the problem when they are focused on okay let's move it forward let's have this stuff happen great who can you trust? Who can you not trust? Great. Outside of that, you know, I don't know. Uh, it's, sometimes it's a little lazy. Now, sometimes they do it well. Sometimes the timeline, the agenda, the narrative, they create high class TV out of it. Um, I think that the selection of the Mars Commander, some of that, those scenes work really well. They exemplified how well they could do it. The Margot and Sergey storyline, I was talking about her and the soviets what's going on there excellent because there's it's complicated it's not so obvious i just wish the whole show had that kind of a blend so this is the point i mean you gotta get the narrative going and there are infinite ways to do it just let your characters decide so um will i finish this season probably when the final two episodes are available I'm just like you know okay it, you know it's fine alright <laughs>
0: well let's see how um how the critic feels about because uh,
1: yeah. the he, thing is producer okay, yeah. let, let me say it this way and then we'll move on yeah sometimes with your agenda it's so obvious I know what's going to happen mm, like so, that's so always starting an issue yeah. like you're trying to like you know do the whole squid ink in the water and oh maybe i don't really know i know ultimately what's going to really happen i know ultimately who is going to land first on mars i know because of your agenda i already know (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't matter what i know and see that that takes the fun out of it that's what this is doing this agenda is taking the fun out of it is that what we want open question okay sorry about that
0: things to ponder and reflect yeah. on post-episode. Um, now, <laughs> next i <I'll> our sneak peeks, <laughs> next.
1: Post the final uh, episode. Last I'll, but I'll not last least. Last
0: <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> we got uh, Peaky Blinders um, brought to us by Netflix, and this is season six, the premiere season six that comes on Friday, June the 10th. Um, now, this is the final season, but if this is your show, um, you don't have to be too sad because they are going to be producing a film uh, next year based off of the show. So,
1: yeah, 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 it's going in pro- into production ne- yeah. next year. So, we'll see when it releases. Agenda score. Yeah, let's go. Uh oh, Peaky Blinders. I would say maybe an eight. Oh, right. seven or an eight because. Right. those up there? They do have... Now, this is a period piece, okay? I mean, at this moment, we're leading up to the ascendancy of Hitler. Got it. Okay. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So, Nazism, fascism is on the prowl. It's coming to uh, England, which is where Peaky Blinders is set. Politically, we see that playing out. You know, there's some Nazis there. And they are all about Hitler. But Hitler is not in charge of Germany yet. So it's like the 1910s or something like that. Now, in that world, they do have black characters. What? Working with some gangsters. And and keep in mind that the Peaky Blinders, they have gypsy blood. That should, maybe it's a nine because that's really unique (laughs) agenda score. Now, they don't have any black women. So that may knock it down. See, we gotta we gotta we gotta balance. The agenda score giveth and it taketh away. Now, while Tommy Shelby, played by Killian Murphy, the head of the Peaky Blinders family, well, I mean, you know, he's a white man, you know, but he is a gypsy. I don't know what that means for the agenda score. There are all kinds of women around him who have their say. Now, they're white women. So I don't know what happens with the agenda score. Some of them are gypsies. See so yeah, that's the that's the question for the agenda score. An agenda expert needs to come in and tell me how many points you get for the gypsy stuff. <laughs> that's the question. They should be represented too. Doesn't ever now anybody who, you know, is is Romani, they can relate. They can see themselves, right? There was another show that had this in it too, um, you know. But unfortunately, they're always criminals. So, you know, my Romany brothers and sisters, I understand. I get it. I don't I don't know. I don't know what role all of this plays. So there's somewhere in the, the seven or eight. We're going to give them that rage. Got it. Now, season six picks up right where season five left off. What happens to Tommy after you put a gun to his head? uh uh-uh. Well, I mean, you know what? I mean, some of this stuff, is like we know what's gonna happen. Like, I knew where this show would end. Is Tommy gonna end up dead or not? You know, in the end? Because that really is the question whenever you have a gangster kind of show.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I knew the answer. Now, after the previous events, keep in mind that Aunt Polly is now dead. Unfortunately, really it's because um Helen McCrory who played Aunt Polly passed away. Um unfortunately. So there we go. Um but they use that narratively. And we do miss Helen in the show, you know, so you know. Um now because of that, somebody in the Shelby family is not happy. And he's like, I'm gonna stop Tommy once and for all. So he's gonna stop him. And that's Michael. Now Michael um has married Anya Taylor Joy's character, an American. Uh, so he's in the States. And Tommy at this point is, you know, running the family business, but he's no longer drinking or anything like that. People like have a drink, have some whiskey. No, 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 no. He's just all about business. And you know, he doesn't care what Michael thinks or anybody else. We're gonna run it the way I need it to be run. And I'm gonna get my money because that's what I'm here for. I'm here to make money for this family. And going over to the States, he has opportunities to make millions of dollars. So this is gonna happen. And it's connected via Anya's character to her uncle. Her uncle is like this big wig in Boston or wherever they are in the States. And he's like, you know, running things. He has so much influence that he's friends with the president. Mm -hmm. But he's a gangster. Mm -hmm. So is this safe ground for Tommy to tread is the question. Because remember, Michael is out for him. His wife is, of course, going to be on Michael's side, doesn't like him. So what's the uncle going to be doing? Mm -hmm. But the uncle and Tommy and these Nazi fascists that were introduced last season, they all form this unholy pact. What's the goal? And how is this all going to work? Is Tommy really going to facilitate this? We know he doesn't like this stuff. He don't like any of these people. He certainly doesn't want Nazi fascism to take over, but he is a member of parliament now. He's a socialist. So what's going to happen? Now, A tragedy strikes the Shelby family, another one. And it does tie into Tommy, and he changes in the second half of the season because of this. Does he start drinking again? Does he even care about life anymore? Does he just want to go away in one last hurrah? What about his own wife? Now, keep in mind, his wife was a professional woman i'll put it that way <laughs> way to go and they married her and you know <laughs> that that adds to the agenda score see why i was see gonna, why say, H- gonna say that's
0: the same way to go
1: there we go <laughs> so you know but she has concerns about him and her own past does it come back to bite them in any way you know but who's responsible for that is the question yeah you know who gets some blame all of that stuff but there's a tragedy that strikes that you know hits them and it's not good it's very bad however when i was watching the show producer i was kind of like and Mm. i don't like (laughs) you can't just say this happens to this kind of person so i care no i don't know who this is you just put them in here and we're supposed to care because of who the person is. You'll see what that is when you watch the show. No, it didn't. And they use this as a vehicle to, uh, you know, make Tommy do what he does in the end. Now, again, it's leading up to the question of will he survive? Michael's after him, this uncle, these Nazis, and whoever else. And keep in mind that he has an older brother. So while he's the head of this family, he's not the oldest. Mm -hmm. His older brother is not the head for a reason he's had problems with drugs and it's continuing in this season how is that going to stop and he's dealing with opium where's he getting his opiates from Mm -hmm. Mm. there's some diversity in that but is it the right kind Mm. agenda score what do you have to say so you know older brother is still in dire straits the younger brother is whatever who cares about them and then the sister she's still there as well can she fill the shoes of Aunt Polly though is the question alright so with all of that said um, the first season of Peaky Blinders I I remember I watched the first episode produced and I was kind of like that's fine but I had a lot of other things to watch at the time and I just moved on it's fine but then, you know, my brother started watching. I was like, okay, I'll watch it. I'll, fine, I'll go through it. Didn't mind the first season. I just thought it was fine. Um, but second season, third season, fourth season, fifth. I thought it was great television. Okay. Now, Peaky Blinders always looks good. Mm-hmm. That's one of the draws, the the great look of it. And then this, you know, kind of weird music that's kind of you know, modern contemporary music with that look. It just, there's an energy to it. There's a, there's a style to it that helps to drive it forward, even when the narrative isn't quite as good. So that still is going on in season six, of course. It still has the look. It still has the sound. But the question is the narrative. And the problem for me in season six is, narratively, it didn't make sense from scene to scene. On a macro level, I know what's happening. It's an easy thing to follow, but so what? Mm. Like, why am I watching this moment and why did we go from here to there? I was just watching it like this is a mess, a mess, a mess, a mess, and it's sad. Mm. People are still nagging at Tommy. It's we always have this where we're in a criminal element, and the head person is always the one. People are like, oh, why are you doing this? Why? You're all criminals. Or criminal adjacent. It's just like, Ozark, I'm tired of this stuff. I don't want to hear from you. Okay? If you were a former professional woman who married a gangster knowing full well what was going on, you have no credibility. Yeah. Get with the program. Yeah. You were already with. And anybody else. I don't want to hear it. Oh, you did this to my mother. Next, you're all criminals. <laughs> Okay, so I mean it's only six episodes here I mean if you've come this far go ahead and finish it uh, it's just a lot of misused effort to me I just wish it ended on the at the zenith of its powers mm-hmm. instead of at its nadir so I mean there we go the, the movie I mean even them saying there's a movie what do you think is going to happen right <laughs> <laughs> who's the movie going to be about anyway
0: Hmm. all right guys so we've gone on so this was yeah we've gone on the journey that is a little different than the one that we usually go on this episode was more (laughs) about (laughs) what does tv look like going forward if we continue to rely exclusively on the agenda
1: Mm.
0: So what I want to and movies too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, 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 yeah. So that's that's just the question: Do we want entertaining content? Do we want to just trust that if we make a good story and have stories from diverse individuals, that the collection is enough? Or Do we want to try to create these? everybody gets a role experiences.
1: And it's reductive, by the way, too. Just because there's a Black character doesn't mean I identify with them, Right, exactly. Like, I'm sick and tired of this group stuff. This is what really, you know, it it steams my clams. Yeah, so. Like, this is the, that don't represent me. I've rarely seen anybody who's represented me ever Mm. coming from Hollywood. But that wasn't a problem because I don't look at things like that. I can look at Willy Wonka, Gene Wilder, and go, I identify with him, <laughs> okay? <laughs> I, uh, whatever, okay.
0: Yeah, so we know where the critic stands. Um, now ask yourself, where do you stand? As you look through like content now and figure out like what to watch. Obviously, there's a bunch of stuff to watch on TV, so pick your poison.
1: Thanks for listening. For additional resources,